It is, it's me, it's TRG, the Ramblin' Gambler, and I am burdened with glorious purpose, vested, invested, and all the right rings in place. Welcome to episode 54 of our Casino Combat Podcast. I've got a lot for you today, and I always carry defense because I always carry cash. So let's do podcast defense before we get started. Non-binary and binary persons, trouble that can't be named, tigers waiting to be tamed, only gamble with money you can afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay your bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your local problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that information for you. We will make it available to you. Everything I'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in fact. Names and dates have been ordered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items unrelated outcomes may be omitted because they are boring. All right. Here we go, everyone. Let's get our podcast started. Uh, Today, I'm going to do a Gambling with Gabriel segment for you uh, because I spent some time with him this week and had an interesting session at the craps table that you need to hear about. I have an expanded take on the nature or types of gambling for you, as well as an application of one of my favorite casino wisdoms. We are going to do a core concept segment, spelling concepts with a K, of course, and look at a really nuanced aspect of blackjack basic strategy that East Coast Emissary brought to my attention a few weeks ago. We're going to have a travel segment, but it's not it's going to be really short because uh, all my gambling this week was was local and the really good stuff is going to go into Gabriel's segment. In fact, I'm kind of thinking out loud and changing things on the fly. Uh, I'm going to do things a little differently than I told T-Rex we were going to do them. I, I'm actually going to do the travel segment first um, after we get some uh, general stuff out of the way. As we always do, we will finish up in the virtual VIP lounge. Hopefully you will enjoy a sip or two with me while we share part two of the saga I call Mrs. TRG and the Hateful Horseshoe Casino. So the plan is travel, gambling with Gabriel, core concepts, and virtual VIP lounge. Before I do that, let me do some updates on things going on in the Casino Combat universe. The first thing I wanted to share with you before we get started is some gambling-related observations from a family party I attended this weekend. Mrs. TRG, the young squire, and I attended a surprise birthday party for a family member. This was the first big family event held in well over 18 months. The first time seeing everyone since things locked down. So, of course, there was a lot of catching up to do, a lot of, hey, what have you been up to? Hey, what have you been up to? Uh, The topic came around to all the traveling that Mrs. TRG and I had been doing and the gambling that we've been doing since we've been posting updates and pictures on our personal social media accounts. And one of my nephews said, I assume you're winning at least a little money once in a while to keep traveling like that. And since we were all family there, I just straight up told him how much we had won after expenses during the past year. A number that I know because of all the record keeping I've done as part of this podcast. A few people were a bit surprised and someone asked, after expenses? So after paying for all the hotel rooms and the spas and everything? And I said, yes, you know, after expenses. And my, you know, the young squire uh, jumped in and said, you know, like any business, you have to subtract the expenses before you know what your profits are. And I observed, and Mrs. TRG did as well, that we don't pay for hotel rooms very often. I mean, once in a while we pay a deeply discounted rate, but we usually stay for free. And there was some stunned amazement on that one. And, and part of that is since I didn't want to use family to artificially inflate my listener numbers. I, I, when I started this podcast, 
I wanted to see what the podcast was going to do on its own without me asking people, you know, would you please listen? I haven't told a lot of people within my immediate circle that I'm doing it, my immediate non-gambling circle. Um, I haven't been promoting the podcast to them. I haven't been asking them to listen. And so since we've not been together as a family, it didn't really ever come up organically in conversation. So unfortunately, in hindsight, we had created the impression that we, as a couple, had the resources to travel almost every week and pay for things out of pocket, and they don't know much about gambling, so they assumed we were losing, losing and spending. And of course, that couldn't be further from the truth. If you've been listening to this podcast, you you know that's not really what's been going on, but in hindsight, I can see how people might have thought that. And the discussion continued from there, but the point isn't to give you a play-by-play of a family gathering. The point is that the entire discussion reminded me of how many people just simply don't understand casinos and casinoing enough to even have a chance of profiting from the casino relationship. They don't understand how things work. They don't know the details. They don't even know. In some cases, they don't even know about reward systems. None of the people in the conversation understood you could win and still get comped stuff and stays and food and all of that. And I felt somewhat sad that we had unintentionally created a false impression amongst our family. It was nice to clarify a bit and let those who were interested know that the podcast existed if they wanted to learn to do the the same things. If you just found this podcast, that's what we're all about. Showing people that you can live a part-time casino lifestyle by, by being good at the game of casino gambling. You don't need to pay for hotel rooms. You don't need to pay for all your meals. You don't even need to provide all of the money you are going to use to gamble. The casinos will give you all of those things for free. And most months you will walk away with some of their cash in your pocket after paying your casino expenses. I'm not trying to turn this into a a carny pitch. I'm just trying to say that if you listen to this podcast regularly, you will have an understanding of casinos and how casinos work that many, many, many people do not have. You will have an advantage over the person walking into a casino once every few years for an hour. If you want to learn the fundamentals of good casino gambling and hear a bunch of gambling-related stories, you are welcome and encouraged to experience my post-pandemic gambling journey from the very beginning by listening to all 54 episodes of our Casino Combat podcast. But you can also go to YouTube and on the Casino Combat page, there is a playlist called Boot Camp, spelled with a K as always. And in that playlist, I teach the core concepts of Casino Combat in short lessons. They're, they're all 10-15 minutes at most. I try to keep the stories to a minimum. You can learn the fundamentals of good gambling using that playlist in less than 90 minutes. While I'm at it, let me also mention that thanks to Billy with the Great Last Name and T-Rex, we are active on Instagram and Twitter. We are uh, at Gambler Ramblin'. We have a Facebook page. You can find the links to all our social media and YouTube on the website CasinoCombat.com. Since I've mentioned social media, likes, subscribes, follows, shares, all that social media stuff helps others find this podcast. The next item from the Casino Combat universe is that East Coast Emissary sent me an email with some Casino Combat he did. And here's how he described things in his email. He said, I had stuff to do in the Poconos and made a side stop at the Mount Airy Lodge Casino. And then he put in in parentheses, always be casinoing, you know, sliding in one of our casino wisdoms there. And, And that's what they're there for, to help teach these kinds of things, trigger you to remember the bigger lesson with the simple uh, 
Casino Wisdom line. He says it's a great family, a great friendly place. Eight deck shoe, surrender, three three to two blackjack, dealer sta- stand on saw seventeen. Once again, a casino combat technique. Know the rules. Get a sense of what the house's advantage is. Play where you have the best advantage. And those are good rules, particularly with surrender and standing on soft 17. Those are great rules. I'd play there anytime. He says, I used casino combat. In my first session, I was very close to my winning exit of 150% of my buy-in. I was betting the regression two times and was dealt a pair of threes versus a dealer four. I split them. First hand, I hit a brick and I stand. A brick is a card that uh, is... Too large for you to take another card in this context. Next hand, I get another three, and I resplit them. I get a brick and stand, then get an eight, and double the last hand for a total of eight units on the table. The dealer turns over a brick, then hits a five for 19. I lose all bets, and that has to have been tough to take. Next hand, four and a half units. I lose. I walk away up a total of three units for the session. The other players were a little surprised, asking, you're leaving? I told him I was hungry, which I was, and then he puts in a note. The other players played the junk, which he means the side bets, and were constantly losing, and his abbreviation, B-O-A-H. I've heard this one before, busting out another hundred. He says, then after dinner, I hit an extra, I hit an exit up two units and left for my two-hour drive home. I left a winner. Thanks for the tips. It will be interesting to see what, if any, comps they offer me. Since he drove a distance, I'm thinking he'll get a bounce back offer of some type. He'll get something probably a little bigger than they would average send because of the distance traveled, and it could be worth worth a trip back. And I'll also remark or observe that I hear this same surprised player saying, what, you're leaving? And, and those are usually players that don't understand how to make sure they leave with some type of win when they've been up a little bit. So here's my take. As gambling stories go, and I'm not trying to be mean here, I've got a point to make, so don't decide that I'm, I'm just being mean for the sake of being mean. I'm really not being mean. I don't, I'm not trying to be. I'm just going to try to be observsive. I'm going to try to make some observations. So, look, as gambling stories go, it, this is not a very good one, right? This is not a super great gambling story. This isn't a story that grabs everyone's attention at the bar in the VIP lounge. This isn't a story that you break out every chance you get. Nothing amazing happened. No one got really drunk. Huge sums of money were not won or lost. No one stayed out all night. Security and the police were not involved. But this is an excellent casino combat story. In many ways, an almost perfect casino combat story. Casinos win money from unprepared players because they are willing to grind a player down with their small advantage and make a few dollars from almost everyone that walks through the door. Casino combat techniques do the opposite. Sometimes we grind. We play for just a little while. And when we have a profit, we walk away before it becomes a loss. Now, I'm sure ECE would have rather won all those hands he split. I'm sure he would have rather won eight units and had a total of 16 units back off the table. That would have set him up really nice. He'd have taken a big profit. But he had the right amount of self-control to walk away with a profit and get some food. That's one of the other things I always talk about, right? Get out of gambling mode for a little bit. Then decide if you want to go back and gamble again. He did exactly that. He took his profit. He got out of the gambling space. He got some food. Then he decided to go gamble some more and he picked up another small profit. He set himself up. He set himself up for possible comps in the future. He, he had a nice win for the day. It, it's, it's a 
perfect casino combat story. At some point in the future, that hand that didn't go his way will go the other way. Literally, by definition, blackjack played correctly is almost a 50-50 game. For ECE, the coin landed on tails instead of heads this time. Next time, it will be heads instead of tails, and the win will be bigger. But two wins are better than a loss and a win. This is just excellent. This is just great stuff. This is other people doing what I've been talking about and confirming it works for them as well. It's wonderful. So big thank you to ECE for sharing a great casino combat story and for allowing me to share it with all of you so that you can hear about his success. Okay, let's get started. Uh, T-Rex, ignore what we planned. I'm going to do the travel segment next. As I mentioned earlier, we had a family event last weekend, so gambling for the past week was limited to several visits to casinos in, in my local area. Early in the week, on my way home from a client, I stopped at a horse track with slot machines and used some free slot play to win some money using TRG slot strategy number one and used a food comp to pay for lunch. I also used TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos to win some money uh, while I was at that casino as well. You know, I, I'm loving the fact that every couple weeks I have a free play comp and a lunch comp. It fits right in with my schedule, and I don't mind playing it, in this case, winning a little money with my own money on a slot machine because it keeps that whole engine working. It keeps them interested in me. In fact, in my from my point of view, I don't gamble there very much, and I don't gamble large sums of money because all they have are slot machines. So at most, I throw a $100 bill in, and, and if I win 10% of that or more, or go all the way across the machine and don't win something, I'm out the door. But I, I do want to keep it going. It's a, great, it's, a great, uh, it's a great place for me to stop. It fits my travels. And again, this is not a great gambling story. You know I have some stories that I at least think are great. I have some stories that I think are fun. But this is just pure casino combat. Get off the highway. Drive two stoplights. Park the car for free. Get free money. Get free lunch. And then win a bit more money before heading to the next appointment. Perfect in my world. Love when that happens. Later in the week, I stopped at my local casino for a free bet, a parking comp, and a scratch-off lottery ticket. I won money playing two different slot machines and took a small loss at the blackjack table. I finished the week hanging out with Gabriel a little bit in my, at my local casino while picking up a free bet, a parking comp, uh, a roadside toolkit, and the $3 in free slot play that this casino hopefully is becoming infamous for hanging out. I still just find that completely annoying. Give me something worth playing or give me zero. I mean, I played it. I'm always going to play my free play. Because, uh, you know, Wisdom 22, I think. I'm always going to play my free slot play, but uh, I just find it annoying that they, they think $3 is in any way motivating or motivating or appropriate. Then again, I have a pretty low opinion of that casino, so they just confirm my bias, I guess. Uh, I played a slot machine and lost, so 3-1 playing slots this past week. But one losing machine and one losing table on this visit meant a loss for the week of a little less than a day's pay doing casino combat. As I said in the open, not a whole lot going on gambling-wise. I mean, I made several stops. I got an interesting uh, Gabriel story to share with you, but uh, not a lot going on. But looking at next week, I'm really fired up about what I should have to share with you in the next episode in the travel segment. I'm uh, probably going to do some, some gambling again locally, probably going to see Gabriel again. And uh, Mrs. TRG and I are planning a long weekend in Atlantic City next week. 
This is going to be our first time staying at the Tropicana Hotel since it just transitioned into the Caesars Rewards system. So I'll have some information about a new place. This will also be the first time we've been actively involved in three reward systems on a trip to Atlantic City. And I haven't had a chance to show you any Atlantic City visits because of the structure of things uh, that we've been going through. But usually when we're there, we're just primarily engaged with, with the Caesars brand while we're there. But we have decent comps at Bally's each day of our visit. So we'll be spending some time there and seeing what changes are being made by the new owners of Bally's. Since I managed to tier match to the third tier in the MGM reward system on our last trip to Las Vegas, we'll also be spending some time at the Borgata Casino for the first time on a trip to Atlantic City. I should have plenty of observations to share with you. Plenty of uh, fresh eyes on new places, if you will, and hopefully some results that involve winning some money. There were also some non-casino combat things going on in casinos last week in my life, and I'm going to tell you about that next, since I did some gambling with Gabriel. Gambling with Gabriel segments are often about craps and about gambling without using the core concepts or actually doing casino combat. And we're going to have some of that today, but I wanted to talk first about different kinds of gambling. And, and this is going to feed in then to the, to the time I spent with Gabriel and the non-casino combat gambling that I did. Most of the gambling I do is gambling for profit. I use the core concepts, and my goal is to finish the month with a profit. But there are other types of gambling. Lots of people gamble for entertainment. And if you think about it, there's not much difference between spending $300 on golf and drinks and lunch on Friday afternoon and losing $300 playing DJ Wild at a casino. If DJ Wild's more entertaining to someone than golf, that's great. That's wonderful. You know, there's no reason that gambling can't be entertainment. Another example of gambling for entertainment is when someone else picks the place and time for gambling and you're just along for the ride. Sometimes their choices make gambling for a profit difficult or impossible. Years ago, a friend from college was getting married and I was invited to the bachelor party. The plan was dinner, strip club, and then hitting up a casino. I was an active card counter at the time and, and had been having some success when I had time to travel areas where gambling was legal. So I initially lobbied for things to be dinner, casino, then strip, strip clubs so that I could be at least mostly sober while gambling and counting cards. The future groom and the best man considered my suggestion and then vetoed my suggestion. We ended up closing the strip club, which was their plan, and then because the casino was still open, stumbling into the casino that was very busy on a, I was going to say Saturday night, but no, realistically at that point it was Sunday morning. And the table limits were higher than I normally played at the, at the time. And I realized that this was just going to be gambling for entertainment. I wasn't going to be able to pick a good table. I wasn't going to be able to find limits and rules that made sense for me. I was really honestly too drunk to count cards because we'd been doing the things you do in a strip club for a bachelor party. And my friends from college wanted to play things other than blackjack. It just wasn't going to be a situation where I could gamble for profit. So I went with the flow and just assumed I was going to lose a few hundred dollars gambling for entertainment. And as I recall, that's exactly what happened. Another example, I sometimes gamble for free drinks when I'm in Las Vegas or Atlantic City and to just people watch and pass time, which is obviously another type of gambling. 
If we are in Las Vegas and Mrs. TRG is getting ready for dinner, I will often be at a pie gal table, enjoying a comp cocktail. And I use pie gal for this because the game is slow paced and has so many pushes. Half the hands are pushes statistically. I'm never going to get either buried and waiting for the table to turn my way. I'm never going to be struggling to get back to even or be on enough of, I'm never going to be on enough of a hot streak to not be ready to leave when she's ready to join me and it's time to go to dinner. So Pie Gal tends to be one of my go-tos if I'm just trying to get a couple free drinks and watch the casino go by and and uh, and have a little fun, a little conversation. There are other games that work for this type of gambling as well. A great example, one I use all the time, a story that I often tell uh, sitting around a VIP lounge. But the first time Mrs. TRG and I went to Las Vegas, she didn't know how to play blackjack. We didn't have a lot of money to gamble with. We were more there for a honeymoon and a vacation than we really were to be gambling. We didn't know nearly as much then as we know now. So this was over 30 years ago, and the casino we were staying in had roulette tables where you could make 25-cent bets as long as you bet at least $1 a spin. So we would buy in for $20 each, and the goal was not to win money, the goal is to see how long we could make that last while enjoying free drinks and watching the action in the casino, being in the casino environment. First time either of us had ever been spent any time in casinos. I was playing a little blackjack sometimes during the day when she was um, out by the pool and doing those types of things. But neither of us had ever been in a casino before this, this point. So a couple of evenings, we spent hours gambling this way. You know, I'd bet on black, she'd bet on odd, we'd each bet a couple numbers, I'd bet this third, she'd bet this half. You know, we'd each have four bets. We always consumed more than $20 of beer before we lost our $20 of money. So we considered that winning even back then, even as kind of uh, casino babies, if you will. And interestingly, my, my oldest son, the heir to the throne, had heard this story so many times growing up that when his at-the-time fiancé was going to Las Vegas a few years ago with friends to see a concert, he explained this approach to gambling to her. And after the concert, she and her friends that had gone to the concert did exactly the same thing to enjoy the casino and to have fun. Obviously, the dollar amounts were a little larger, but she did exactly the same thing and had a great time, and they finished up their evening in grand fashion. Another way that you can gamble, another way that you can use gambling, you can gamble for tier credits. A lot of people, particularly people in online groups, like to look down on this form of gambling. They lecture people online not to chase status, not to gamble to level up in a reward system, blah, 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 blah. I think that's absurd. Obviously, you shouldn't gamble money you cannot afford to lose, but reward system levels can have value. And I'm not saying you just gamble and gamble and gamble and gamble and gamble to work your way all the way up through the tier system. No, you have to be strategic with this type of gambling, just like you're, you're strategic with a lot of other things. You have to have a purpose and a plan and a strategy and know what it is you're trying to do and evaluate if it's worth it. But I got a great example of this. If you've listened through, you've heard this. But a great example of this would be the trip I took to Las Vegas in December last year to make sure I reached the third tier in the Caesars reward system. At that tier, Caesars waives the resort fees at all their properties for a year. Those resort fees are charged even if they are comping the room. If you're not at 
tier three or higher, you always pay the resort fees even when the room is comped. Gambling to get those points has saved us hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars in resort fees already this year. It's going to save me a couple hundred dollars in Atlantic City. That was gambling for tier credits, but gambling for tier credits strategically. In the past, I've also gambled for tier credits to get free trips. To me, this also makes sense. This is also something that I wish people online would think about. If gambling for a few hours to get past one level and into the next level is going to get me $1,200 in airfare and a multi-night stay in a resort that we enjoy going to, why wouldn't I put a few hundred dollars at risk and earn the points needed to get that big payday? To me, that seems obvious. To me, that just seems like smart gambling. So I do, in fact, gamble for tier credits instead of gambling for profit, and then I just use my skills to try to do both. The goal is tier credits. The possibility is that that money placed at risk, using all the things I know how to do, is also going to generate a profit. You can gamble for two different purposes, as long as you know what you're gambling for. The final type of gambling I wanted to talk about is gambling for education. You can gamble to learn a game, or to figure out ways to approach betting a particular game, or to see if there's a way, for instance, to count cards and take advantage of a new side bet in Blackjack or Baccarat that you hadn't seen before. One of the things I learned from Gabriel this past year is that sometimes simulations aren't enough. Sometimes, particularly at the point that Gabriel and I are in our gambling experiences, in our gambling bankrolls, sometimes you got to put some money on and get out of the simulation and get in the casino and gamble to learn. You sometimes need to gamble for education. So this month, despite ending my craps experiment after losing my experimental bankroll, I've been doing a combination of gambling for tier credits and gambling for education by playing craps at my local casino. Almost from the day this casino opened, I've been at the third or fourth tier in their reward system, the place where they start to actually give you some, some meaningful goodies. And that's true of many, many reward systems. To get to the really better stuff, the more meaningful stuff, you need to often get to the third tier. But during the pandemic, management at my local casino did nothing to protect the status players have earned previously the way a lot of other national brands did. And with limited table choices, I did less and less gambling there, as you've heard if you've, if you've been experiencing the podcast. And my status dropped to, down to Tier 2 for the last six months. I wasn't particularly worried about that. Other than seeing the friends I've made over the years, this casino doesn't have a lot of features I find attractive right now. Tier status at this casino has to be earned every six months. Another negative feature from my point of view. And the six-month earning period ends June 30th. As a result, in the month of June, they are tripling the tier points players earn on Wednesdays and Fridays. When the month started, I need a needed a ridiculous number of points to move from Tier 2 to Tier 3. Something like 90,000 points. And on a normal day of playing blackjack, I only earn a few hundred points. But the casino is starting to get back to normal now with the lockdowns ending. So for me, getting back to the level where I get free parking automatically instead of, you know, riding someone uh, an ally's coattails and getting nice gifts every month at a casino not far from my home or my customers, that wouldn't be a horrible thing. It's not super desirable, but I wouldn't hate it. 
So I decided to continue my crafts education when I had time on Wednesdays or Fridays to see if a few days at the crafts table at triple points would allow me to level up by the end of the month. Kind of a challenge for myself. As a result, I ended up at a crafts table gambling with Gabriel twice last week. I didn't include these results in the travel segment because casino combat and the core concepts are about gambling for profit. And what I've been doing at the craps table is gambling for tier credits and for education. I spent decades developing the core concepts. I consider those a, pr a proven approach to beating coin flip games on an annual basis and hustling plenty of other free goodies from casinos in the process. The core concepts are a unified theory for beating coin toss games. As of yet, I don't have a unified theory for beating craps. I've not found a way to implement all the core concepts on a craps table. Well, at least I haven't found a way to implement them and not be bored out of my mind and not put more money at risk than I'm really crazy about putting at risk. I don't like the swings. It uses a bigger bankroll than I would like to do that. I know how to do it. I don't enjoy it. It kind of sends me back to the comfort of playing blackjack or baccarat. But that doesn't mean just the fact that I haven't figured out a unified theory of craps doesn't mean I won't figure it out. I mean, I spent decades figuring out Blackjack and Baccarat, right? Four years ago, I didn't think slot machines could be played for a, prof for a profit. Today, I feel like they can be. And I have pages and pages of data that support that point of view. So, I've been learning. I've been gambling for points for it and for education. And trying to figure out if I can find a better, more interesting way to play craps for a consistent profit. So, that takes us to last Friday. And that takes, to, takes us to what I felt I wanted to share and talk about. And it ties in with our core concepts and it ties in with our casino wisdoms. After I got set up at the table, the very next shooter made me a small profit before he sevened out. And then the next shooter added some more chips to my win stack. And then the shooter after that had a monster roll and made me a lot of money. In my experience, that, that's usually when a table goes cold for a while. And at this point, I was a bit conflicted internally. I had not been playing long enough to generate the points that I wanted to earn. And I also didn't want to gamble away one of the better wins I'd ever had playing craps. And I didn't want to, I mean, I didn't want to do that and just chase more points. I was, I'm at that conflict between the two types of gambling. The for-profit gambling that I wasn't necessarily intending to do and the points that I was planning to gamble for and the fact that I had a nice profit. And please remember that the week before we got smacked around playing blackjack uh, pretty significantly at both our home casino, Casino 2, and at Casino 1 um, the past weekend. Casino Wisdom number 58 teaches us that luck is the intersection of opportunity and preparation. I may not be an expert at craps, but I'm an expert at managing money one in a casino, and I'm an expert at recognizing when my preparation is meeting opportunity. I'm prepared to handle a win and not lose it all back. So I set aside all of the money I started with and a profit that I would be happy leaving the building with and still had enough left to play. And I was going to leave when those chips were gone. For the next several hours, each time I said to myself, well, this is the last bet and I'll be done, a shooter would start making me money, and I'd refill the stack of chips I was playing with and add some chips to the profit I was going to leave with. I was right at home at that point, prepared to take advantage of things going my way, 
even if the game was not a coin toss game, I was okay. My other skills, my other casino combat experiences, my years and years of understanding when I was seeing opportunity happen put me in a good place. Now look, eventually, of course, as is inevitable, the stack of chips I was playing with went away. They were lost. But by that time, I had won over two days' pay. In total last week, I won almost three days' pay playing craps, which is why I feel I really needed to tell you about this. And I went from having 10,000 tier points to having over 60,000 tier points. So I accomplished what I was trying to accomplish in terms of gambling for tier credits. That's not enough to level up, but I may manage to earn the other 38,000 I need by the end of the month using this Wednesday, Fridays, when I can, when I have time approach. It wasn't a core concepts win. It was not a casino combat win. It was just a, quote, lucky win, which is to say I was prepared to take advantage of what was happening on the crafts table. I'm not going to include those dollars in the diff official totals, the official monthly wrap-up totals. I'm sure this money will get mentioned, but it's not part of, co of, of casino combat. I didn't win it with the core concepts. But the behind the scenes, real picture, adult talk, I guess you might say, Crafts This Week did a nice job of replacing some of the money I had to pull out of the safe at, at the start of the week. And it went back in the safe to replace that money. My goal is to be as transparent as possible with all of you. I want to share these results with you along with my results using the core concepts, playing blackjack, and taking money out of three of the four slot machines I played this week, so you've got a full picture of what's going on. So there we go. In our next segment, we are going to get back to those core concepts and discuss some advanced aspects of blackjack basic strategy. One of the core concepts is to make wagers where the house advantage on the wager is as small as possible. Generally speaking, wagering on blackjack and playing according to basic strategy is the wager with the smallest house advantage. When I received my first few emails from East Coast Emissary, he mentioned something that I really thought was just a blackjack urban legend. And he referenced an article existing on wizardofodds.com as a source. What ECE mentioned was changes to blackjack basic strategy based on the number of cards in your hand. So a hand you would normally hit if you had that total amount on two cards would become a hand you stay on if you maybe had four more cards. I've heard this from time to time over the years. Someone would say you don't hit 16 versus a dealer's 10 if you've already drawn two cards. I'd never seen that on any strategy chart or read it in any books. So I've always kind of considered that basically, as I said, urban legend, blackjack urban legend, or, or basically, you know, player BS. So after he mentioned it and said there was an article on wizardofodds.com, a site that I always use when doing gambling research, I went looking for the article. And I found it, as well as other articles and other YouTube videos talking about this idea that there is actually mathematically changes in basic strategy based on the number of cards that you've received, and in some cases, what cards you've received. So depending on the number of decks, if the dealer hits or stands on a soft 17, some of those other rules, 
there are hands, depending on those rules, that should be played differently based on the number of cards in your hand. And as I said, in a few extreme cases, on the values of the cards in your hand. Now, I'm not going to run down all these variations. I'm not going to do two deck, four deck, six deck, eight decks, stand on 17, don't stand on 17. I'm not going to run that down for each number of decks and each set of rules. But a couple of easy to remember examples that jumped out at me were not hitting a hard 16 against a dealer's 10 if your hand is composed of three or more cards. This is consistent regardless of the rules. It's an easy one to memorize because it doesn't change from table to table, rule to rule, number of decks to number of decks. So a 10 and a 6 against a dealer's 10 would be a hit, but if you started with a 9 and a 4 against a dealer's 10 and drew a 3 for a total of 16, the correct basic strategy play is to stay rather than hit. And unfortunately, the hardest hand to play, play correctly in blackjack a soft 18 becomes harder to play. When a player is holding an ace and a seven and the dealer has a nine, the correct basic strategy play is to hit. But when a player is holding an ace and a four and they draw a seven against that nine, the correct play is to stay. I'm gonna try to incorporate those into what I do. I think those are things I can remember. You can find all this at Wizard of Odds. You can find it the same way I did. You can read it for yourself. You can print the chart out. You can take the chart with you. You can memorize the chart. I'll probably get there at some point. I'm going to start with trying to remember these two rememberable, uh, rememberable, memorable, easy to remember. Let's go that way. I'm going to try to remember these two changes. It, it's another little nuanced aspect that I can improve in my game. Admittedly, making these adjustments is only going to win you a small percentage of additional hands and that's going to be over an extended period of time. It's not going to make a huge difference in how much you win or lose. But Casino Wisdom number 53 teaches us and teaches me that when playing blackjack, playing incorrectly on purpose is gambling to lose on purpose. I'm going to start working on making these adjustments to my blackjack play because I firmly believe in playing as close to perfect basic strategy as I can. I'm never going to play incorrectly on purpose if I can help it. I'm never going to gamble to lose on purpose. If you're a new listener, just getting up to speed on the various Casino Wisdom, maybe this is the first episode, you're just hearing about them, Keeper of Wisdom, Third to the Ring, compiled a complete, accurate list of all the wisdoms. If you send an email to me, trg at casinocombat.com, and include the two words, get wisdom in the subject line, the podcast email bot Fred will send you a link to download the official list of all the casino wisdoms, as well as the number of the episode where the wisdom was first introduced if you want to actually hear what the wisdom is about. Fred is so talented if you put the two words slot tactics in the subject line, she will send you a link to download my ebook, Casino Combat Slot Tactics, that explains in detail a slot strategy I have developed and tested. So I want to thank ECE for his excellent prompt for showing me that something that I thought was basically player BS is actually backed by math and research. It will improve my game just a little bit. This is another excellent example of the podcast becoming a community that helps us all be better at the game of casino gambling. Let's finish up this episode of our Casino Combat podcast in the virtual VIP lounge with some sips and stories. A little bit of the bubbly. Welcome to the Virtual VIP Lounge, where we always have the best imaginary everything almost all the time. 
This feels like a Canadian whiskey kind of day, so I've poured some crown apple for myself. Feel free to press pause, pour something for yourself as well. Not unless you're driving. Please don't, you know, if you're driving, studying for a test, those types of things, don't pour yourself something. But otherwise, hit pause, pour something. In the last episode, I shared with you part one of the saga of Mrs. TRG and the Hateful Horseshoe Casino, in which a Caesars property in Tunica called the Roadhouse happily broke its own rules on serving more than one drink to a guest and, you know, fundamentally just overserved Mrs. TRG and I for hours and hours and hours late one night, early one morning. Well, yeah, early one morning. Part two of Mrs. TRG and the Hateful Horse- Horseshoe Casino takes place the following evening. We were staying at the Horseshoe Casino right across the driveway from the Roadhouse Casino. And at the time, there was a hallway from the hotel lobby, restaurants, VIP lounge, that area of things that sloped down a little bit as you walked toward the casino. And we had remarked several times during our stay that it was tricky for Mrs. TRG to navigate because the surfaces of the walkway changed multiple times from a rough stone tile to carpet to smooth marble tile. And especially when she had heels on, she had to be careful to keep the platform of the shoe and the heel of the shoe on the same surface when the textures changed. If she got on that, you know, she got her heel on the uneven stone tile and the front of her foot, the platform of the shoe on the carpet and the carpet sank in and the, and the stone tile wasn't one even, she was unstable. So after dinner, followed undoubtedly by some drinks in the VIP lounge, which was beautiful and wonderful, by the way. We made our way down to the walk, down the walkway to the casino. We spent the evening gambling. We weren't having much luck. We didn't want to crush ourselves the last night. And at one point, Mrs. TRG left the table where we were gambling to visit the ladies' room, going up and down the tiled walkway. She came back. I wasn't doing well. We listened to a band play for a while and didn't gamble, and then decided one more blackjack table. Let's take one more run at things. Candidly. We always hope, and it happens sometimes and other times it doesn't, but we always hope that we're just going to have that smoking hot session where we got fun people and the drinks are flowing and people are winning and laughing and having a good time. That's always the way we'd like to finish up if things happen to go that way. And so we find this next blackjack table and it's starting to look like maybe that's going to happen. We both start winning a little bit and then another couple about our age joins us and they're fun. So we're getting this thing going because they start winning. There's six spots at the table and there's only four of us occupying them. And since the table limits at this table started at a $10 minimum bet, People just kind of listening to the band and hanging out and having a drink would walk over, play one hand, and then leave. And it was, it's not the end of the world, but it was messing with our game. It was disrupting what was becoming a fun table. And at the time, I was at the top tier in the Caesars reward system, their seven stars level. And so I was making conversation with the pit boss, and I observed that there were plenty of open seats at all of the tables. It really wasn't going to keep people from gambling, and I wondered how he would feel about reserving those two open spots that were disrupting the game from our point of view, pretending that he was holding them for somebody while we gambled. And he said he couldn't do that. But since I was playing at $50 or more per hand, he would move the table limit up to $50 minimum and then grandfather in the other players that were playing with me, my wife and the other couple, at the current $10 minimum so they could continue playing. His logic was that random players would avoid a $50 table and would look for a $10 table instead. 
an excellent idea, an excellent example of a pit boss finding a casino solution for something a guest was requesting. So we're set. A fun couple to gamble with, a basically private table for the four of us. We seem to be starting a winning streak. We're winning money. This is looking like a perfect way to end and enjoy our final evening in Tunica. And at one point, the ladies decided to leave the table and, and, and take a little break. And I ordered another round of beers for Mrs. TRG and myself. And the chips are really piling up in front of me. They're, I'm, really, I'm really having a nice streak here. I'm winning a lot of hands. I'm pressing my bets up. Things are going great when, when the ladies return. And as Mrs. TRG sits down, a man in a suit and a police officer and a security guard walk up to her and say that they need to speak to her. And they told her she needed to leave the casino. And so I got involved and was immediately told to stay out of it. They were talk, not talking to me. They were talking to her. And of course, that didn't sit well with me. I told them that we were married, and if they didn't include me in the conversation, they would be talking to my national casino host and possibly to my attorney. And they proceeded to explain to the two of us that hours previously, when Mrs. TRG went up the walkway with the, the, the uneven levels of flooring without me, she wobbled a little bit and appeared on their cameras to be drunk. They had blocked her at that time from being served additional alcohol. And since we had ignored that block, she was now being kicked out of the casino. And so I looked at them and I said, hours ago, before we sat and just listened to the music, the walkway with the weird tiles that change every eight feet, I think everyone wobbles on those, drunk or sober. But so I then asked the question, how were we, and the, a question I thought was just obvious that someone should have answered by now, how were we supposed to know this? How were we supposed to know that they had blocked her from being served alcohol, and that we were going around the block. And suit guy explained that the server should have told us and refused to serve my wife. At this point, I'm angry. My wife is angry. The game of blackjack has stopped completely. The pit boss is telling suit guy that we've been playing for a while. We've shown no signs of being overserved. He's on my side. He's trying to make this all go away because he had four happy guests just moments before this, gambling and having a great time. And I'm gambling, you know, five to ten times more a hand than anybody else in the whole damn casino at this point. So, with the pit boss involved, suit guy looks at the pit boss and says, you need to be quiet, this doesn't have anything to do with you. And now pit boss is on the phone trying to get somebody else involved in this. And I just want to get back to our winning streak. So I try to follow casino wisdom number six. When there's a problem, remain calm, or in this case, calm down, and look for a casino solution. And so I say to the suit, hey, it seems like your team made a mistake. They didn't inform us of your decision. The waitress didn't execute what you wanted her to execute. No big deal. Shouldn't be a problem. My wife isn't, wasn't even here when I ordered the two beers. She has not consumed any of the beer I ordered for her. Let's just throw away both beers that I've paid for, and we'll just get back to our game. Problem solved. But Suit Guy isn't looking for a casino solution. He's looking to make a point. He insisted on security escorting her out of the casino and to our room immediately. And I told him to wait while I colored up our chips, 
and said, you know, I'll go with you. Don't worry about it. And he said, well, you're not being kicked out of the casino. You can keep gambling. Just your wife is going to be kicked out of the casino. And I told him that he th- I thought he was an idiot if he thought for one minute that I was going to continue to gamble after the way my wife was being treated and they could all just wait while I collected our money. And I had to do that because I had so many green chips piled up in front of me that I couldn't possibly have carried them all. I had to get smaller chips. I couldn't just grab a stack of eight chips and walk away. I had hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of green chips. So at this point, security guard guy grabs my wife's arm and starts forcing her out of the casino. She's furious both at being kicked out for doing absolutely nothing wrong and for for the way the security guard is starting to force her out while I'm trying to collect our money. And that's taking a minute, as I said, because we have stacks and stacks and stacks of green chips. At this point, I looked at the police officer and I said, either you make that man take his hands off my wife while I get my money, or you're going to arrest me for assaulting this idiot in a suit. And the officer starts to say something, and before he could say that, the other gentleman who's been gambling with us just politely says, Officer, I'll be joining him in committing that assault. And then his wife stands up and says, And I'll be drinking until I'm so drunk you have to kick me out too. And I won't be gambling while I do it. So at this point, the officer says to suit guy, Perhaps this is getting out of hand, and we could just wait a minute and let them collect their money. So they, he calmed down, suit and security, and we collect our money and we are escorted by all three men away from the table and out of the casino. And while they are doing that, the pit boss is following with us, talking to me, saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, this shouldn't have happened, the casino shouldn't have let this get to this point, you should have been told the server, he's just, he gets it, he understands this is ridiculous, but this guy's on his high horse or has a stick up his... This guy's on his high horse, and he's going to make a point. So we get back to our room, and Mrs. TRG is furious, and I'm trying to calm down, but we had been intentionally overserved. The point she's making is we were intentionally overserved by the same company the night before, and no one said a word. And now she'd been humiliated and kicked out of the casino basically for a mistake they made. She was never coming to this casino again. She made sure I understood that. Eventually, she calmed down, we went to sleep, and the next thing I hear is crashing and slamming and banging as Mrs. TRG is packing her suitcase. And I look at the clock, and it's like 5 a.m., 6 a.m., and I tried to tell her, you know, calm down, get some more sleep, we don't need to leave for the airport until 2 p.m., you know, I'm telling her, we don't need to go back to the casino. We don't even need to go downstairs. We can just order some room service, chill in our room, maybe watch a pay-per-view movie because Seven Stars gets free pay-per-views at the time. But she's still angry. She's not having any of it. She's still mad from the night before. She's had enough sleep. She tells me she's not going to spend even more one more minute in this lousy hotel. She's not going to set foot in this building again. She doesn't want to be in their property. She wants to scrape the dirt off her shoes and walk out. I'm still half asleep. I'm still trying to I'm, I'm trying to get her to wait. So I just wait so I can shower, wait so I can get things packed up. But as I said, she's angry and she leaves the room and she tells me she will be across the street outside the MGM casino whenever I'm ready. Look, I'll admit at the time and even today, I think she was a bit over the top in her reaction. I do. That's my take on things. But then again, 
I've never been a woman kicked out of a casino for the combination of trying to walk on a mixture of tile and carpet in six-inch platform heels and then receiving a beer from her husband a few hours later that the casino should have communicated they didn't want to serve. So I packed quickly, I showered quickly, and, and heartbreakingly, I find my bride sitting in 80-degree-plus heat on a bench outside the MGM casino because she's unwilling to even be in the lobby 20 steps away. And I'm still trying to use casino wisdom number six and find a casino solution. So I convince her to go into the MGM casino with me. We get her a cup of coffee at the video poker bar. It's not crowded. I convince her to just wait there, enjoy her coffee, while I go check us out of the hotel. And then we'll go from there. But before I check out of the hotel, I asked to speak to the manager on duty. I explained to him what had happened the night before. I inform him that my wife feels humiliated and embarrassed, and that in reality, all of this is the casino's fault for not informing us of the situation when I ordered the two beers. I tell him this is our first visit and that my wife is refusing to even stand in their lobby at this point to even be in their building in any way, let alone ever return to Tunica again. And I suggest that maybe an apology from him, some type of small token or gift, would soften her opinions and make amends a little bit for what is clearly a misunderstanding at best. And he looks through things on his computer and says, yeah, he understands he could give her $10 in free slot play. And now I'm finally fully angry. I am no longer looking for a casino solution. I'm just mad. And I lay into him verbally. And I said, I assume from your wedding ring that you are married. And if someone made a stupid mistake, then embarrassed and humiliated your wife in public over that mistake, then laid hands on her and tried to force her to walk somewhere against her will without you, would either of you sell your honor and integrity for $10? Would you? Would you do that? Is $10 that much to you and your wife that you would accept that as a solution to being humiliated and embarrassed and, and manhandled and grabbed? Would, would you accept that? I was done. I was absolutely done. I said, we are your guests. You flew us down here at your expense because you wanted us to gamble. We wouldn't normally come to this tiny little nothing town in the middle of nowhere to gamble if you didn't go to the expense to fly us down. Do you think I reached seven stars with your brand by caring about $10? I think my wife is right. I don't think I want to spend another minute here if that's how you're going to treat us. And I left, and I rejoined my wife, and the MGM property next door comped us without asking a very nice brunch. We said nothing to them about this. I just handed them my card to get the discount, and we were, we were base level. We were at the starting level of their promotion. I just handed them my card and ID to get $2 off brunch, and the, and the woman at the counter said, Oh, well, sir, you have enough points. Do you just want to use points? And, of course, I said yes. So they comped me a meal, and I'm level one in their system. I'm, I'm freaking level five or six or whatever it is in the, uh, in the Caesar system at the time. So... MGM gave us a very nice brunch. We went to the airport. We left Tunica. All in all, this incident aside, it was a fun trip. We look back on it with fond memories other than this one moment, right? I mean, we toured Graceland. We walked Beale Street in Memphis. We had fun seeing all the other casinos in Tunica and kind of seeing what Tunica had to offer, which wasn't much beside the casinos. We had a great time playing $2 blackjack and getting overserved at the Roadhouse Casino. But sadly... Unfortunately, anytime I even mention Tunica, you know, if I get something in the mail like that, the first thing Mrs. TRG says, I am never going back there again. You are never going to get me in that casino. 
It's really pathetic that neither the guy in the suit or the property manager tried to find a casino solution and keep good customers happy because it wouldn't have taken very much. Simply letting us throw away the beers and continue our game would have prevented the entire situation. An apology, a nice breakfast, and a meaningful amount of slot play the next morning probably would have been accepted and smoothed hurt feelings over. Instead, they added more insults, made me as angry as they made my wife the night before, and made us not want to ever go back there again. And I get, I get, obviously I got a little fired up, it's easy to get back in those memories, um, I get that hateful isn't really the correct adjective for what happened, but the saga of Mrs. TRG and the incompetent, ignorant, arrogant horseshoe casino just doesn't have the same ring to it. Actually, I kind of like it now when I say it that way, but that's not how I thought about presenting this a couple weeks ago when I was thinking about this. Personally, I'd like to go back to Tunica someday. Golden Fan lives there. She lives in the area. She doesn't live too far away. It'd be fun to meet her in person. Uh, so I may do that. Uh, I don't know if I'll get Mrs. TRG to go with me, even if I promise her we'll stay out of the Horseshoe Casino. But I, So I suspect if we ever get there again, we will be staying at the MGM Gold Strike, or there's a, a My Choice Hollywood there, I think, as well, a few exits away. I suspect we'll be staying there and staying away from the Horseshoe. I know Mrs. TRG isn't going to be persuaded to go back there as long as it's operated by, by the Caesars Entertainment Corporation. So there you have it. The saga in two parts, the complete story. Hopefully you see now why the, the story last week leads into this story. But there you have it, the saga of Mrs. TRG and the Hateful Horseshoe Casino. If you're playing the casino chip game, there are eight in this episode. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers, but don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone.